everybody. I'm Sarah Patemp. I'm a celebrity hairstylist and the CEO of The Beach Waver Co. And what I love about beauty is the creativity, really the way that you can express yourself. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Well, I'm so excited to get to chat with you today, Sarah. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. You have a pretty incredible story and journey to where you are now, which is incredible. So kind of rewind us back to, you know, your roots as a hairstylist and then how you came about basically inventing something that never existed on the market before. Yes. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to be on this with you, April, because I think you might have been one of the first people to ever try the product I invented. (laughs) So this is very, very cool for me. So my story kind of goes back to being a teenager, you know, and falling in love with beauty, having two sisters. My little sister and I shared a bedroom and I was always doing her hair. And then I played tons of sports growing up too. So like when I was on the sports teams, I was the girl that was braiding everybody's hair. So I was the go-to braider. And before every volleyball, basketball game, I just was on the bus braiding hair. So I really fell in love with like the art and the connection you had with people and styling hair. And when I was 15 years old and I did not have a job yet, and I wanted money to go shopping at the mall, my parents were like, well, get a job, you know? And so I was like, oh, well, what should I do? And they were like, whatever you like to do, you should do that. And I was like, well, I'm always braiding everyone's hair. So I literally like called every hair salon in the yellow pages until one lady answered. And she was like, yeah, sure. You can come sweep the floors. (laughs) So that was like my intro to beauty. And I was a teenager and I I really fell in love with it. And this woman was super inspiring. Her name was Patty. And day one of my job as a 15 year old, she made me watch a Vidal Sassoon education video. And then like day two, she was like, this is Italian Vogue. This is French Vogue. This is W. And meanwhile, we were in like a small town in Illinois. And she was like, turn the pages. Look at this. That's a photo shoot in New York. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, this lady is wild. But I like I really was inspired by like day one of my very first job. Wow, that's pretty incredible. I mean, to have somebody that was that inspiring, I feel like you could end up working at a salon and have the opposite experience. (laughs) So that's pretty amazing. So you started off in the salon and then how, you know, did your career evolve, you know, in that setting? So because she inspired me to think about New York City, think about photo shoots, I was a teenager, I immediately went to my parents and I was like, so next summer, I'm going to move to Brooklyn. And they were like, what's happening? And but they let me I got into this program in Brooklyn at Pratt for art and like painting. And I was really inspired then. And my mom drove me out to Brooklyn and dropped me off. (laughs) And so I was there. And then when I, of course, they were like, but you have to go to college. You want to go to beauty school. So I actually went to NYU for college. Me too. You did? Did I know that? What did you study? I studied journalism. Hence why I do this job. (laughs) I was in Gallatin. Wow. So what was your program? I'm curious. So my concentration was business and creativity. Well, how perfect was that for how you ended up in your career? My goodness. It was amazing because it was one of those programs where you didn't have to select a major. You could literally tell them, I want to be a hairstylist. At the time, I think I thought it'd 
I wanted like a spa or a salon. I didn't really know, but I knew I wanted like something in the beauty space. But then while I was in college, I worked at Privé Salon on West Broadway in Soho. So I was working there in a really, really cool group of international hairdressers. And I started with Laurent to do a couple runway shows. And it was actually a guy in college, Craig, who was dating a girl named Tali, who was an agent for celebrity photographers. And I like told this guy, I was like, my dream is to be on a photo shoot. (laughs) Like, how can I do this? And he was like, I'm dating this girl. And he was like a law student. So it was totally random. He's like, you have to have dinner with Tali. So I had dinner with her and she was like, you need an agent. Who knew there were agents for hair and makeup? I didn't. And immediately she was like, oh yeah, let me hook you up with Allie at the wall group. Okay. Never heard of any of this. Well, Allie was from the Midwest and so was I, right? So we started talking and I fell in love with her. She fell in love with the fact that I just loved hair so much and I didn't know anybody. You know, I was had no idea like who any of these photographers were or any celebrities. I really didn't know. I was just so excited. I was like, I just love hair. I love to braid. I love to style. I want to be in any photo shoot. So Allie literally put me on a photo shoot like two days later for W Magazine, the one that I had seen when I was 15 with like a famous photographer. Bob Racine was doing the hair who he was a painter with Andy Warhol. And I like literally was just in awe of like what Bob was doing. And I really didn't care about anybody else. (laughs) I didn't care as a famous supermodel or anybody. I was so focused on Bob that he was like, oh, I like her. Could she come back this weekend? So I went that weekend and did the Donna Karen campaign with him. And then almost every day, the wall group was calling like, Bob wants you to come back. So then I had to leave the salon. And then about, I don't know, six months in, I had to make a decision. Like, do I leave the salon? Because I keep having to call in from work and say like, oh, I got another photo shoot. So I ended up assisting Danilo too, another one represented by Allie. So Danilo and Bob became my mentors and I quit the hair salon to go assist Bob and Danilo. Wow. That is so incredible. I mean, what a story of like fortuitous timing and like meeting the right people at the right time and having those opportunities. How incredible, right? That's like the dream. It was really, really cool because this was pre-social media, right? So there was no other way to like make a portfolio other than be on a photo shoot and meet the right teams and the right people. And Bob and Danilo just like opened up my mind to everything. Like I went to Life Ball with Danila to Austria. I was working with Gwen Stefani and all of his celebrity clients and doing his runway work, which is very structured and really detailed. And then I was working with Bob, who was doing Kate Moss and Calvin Klein campaigns and Mario Sorrenti and Italian Vogue. So all of this was really inspiring to me because the creativity that I saw in both of them was so incredible. And I was very close with both of them. And I was really just like doing whatever they needed at any time. And then the The big moment for me when my career switched was when I was on a photo shoot with Bob and they were trying to turn Daria, the supermodel, into a ram. It was a cool photo shoot at Pier 59 with reptiles and snakes and all this stuff. And they were like, we want her to look like a ram in this forest. And in my brain, I was like, my 12-year-old self was like, oh my God, it's a Dutch fishtail. It's a Dutch fishtail. Like someone, I need to tell him. And so I'm like thinking about this style and I'm like with the makeup assistant, we were trained not to give our opinion too much, you know, just like we're there as an assistant. 
But I was in this moment where they were really, really talking about it for like two hours. <laughs> and I was like, I, okay, Bob. I was like, so can I show you this braid? I think it's exactly what you're looking for. And I showed him the Dutch fishtail and I added this long hair in and we did it. And it was literally ram horns on Daria. His mind was blown. And he called the wall group the next day. And he was like, you have to sign her. He was like, she just taught me something I didn't know. She's like so passionate about hair. She knows all this stuff about braiding. So, I mean, it was Bob that like was an advocate for me. And then same with Danilo being like wanting me with him all the time. I was signed by the wall group 20 years ago because of that one moment. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. But it just goes to show you like how you were, you know, really doing something so creative and so different that somebody of that caliber was even impressed by, you know, like so... They saw your talent and the rest is history. So obviously at that point, then you started to kind of like be as opposed to an assistant, you know, your own celebrity stylist. And how did that kind of go navigating the industry? And then obviously eventually starting your own brand. It was exciting because Allie, the agent for Bob and Danilo, she saw me as a celebrity hairstylist. So she kind of came to me and said, hey, I envision you more as a brand spokesperson, working with celebrities, actresses, musicians. At the time, I was a little confused or disappointed because I felt like I really wanted to go the route of Bob Racine, who's this amazing editorial hairdresser that's creating avant-garde styling. And I was like, oh, but that's my dream. I wanted to be doing that. But then I saw in Danilo, he had worked with PNG and done like the Pantene ads. And it was, he had turned those advertisements into beauty. And I like fell in love with what he was doing too. And he was doing Gwen Stefani and he created her style. He created all those epic looks in the nineties and working with him and working with her dancers, the Hirojuku dancers. It was very cool to be a part of that. I really took a step back and I was like, okay, this is so interesting and a different, but okay, let's go for it. So I started to work with a couple of like Danielle's clients. I did work with Cindy Lauper. I did a couple of really epic moments with her. And then I started to work with musicians like Alicia Keys, Alanis Morissette. Then I slowly got into actresses like Reese Witherspoon, Ali Larder, Busy Phillips. I really found that they were looking to me for creativity. And I felt like they were open to being collaborative about like, what dress are they wearing on the red carpet? What earring is it? What lip is it? How does it match the hair? And that's where I found my place in styling celebrities. It was like, I'm working with Emily Blunt. And she was like, do whatever braid you want on me. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Can I show you this kind of braid I love? And so I got to bring in what I love about hairdressing to celebrities. And then I found like a Leah Michelle, for example, so into her red carpet looks that this was a whole nother job of like, okay, how are we collaborating with the clothing stylist? How are we collaborating? And so it really, really became this similar to a photo shoot, like this whole entire team effort. I fell in love with like every opportunity that I got. That's incredible. I mean, that is the total dream, I would say for most people. Yeah. At what point did you get the idea for your breakthrough product and then your brand that's grown out of it? Well, it was the beauty editors. <laughs> so I had this incredible opportunity when I very first started styling celebrities, where I was brought into a PR event. So the wall group said, hey, there's this brand. They lost their spokesperson for the day. 
it's like in two days. Can you fill in what you're going to do is you're going to go, you're going to style eight beauty editors, and you're going to speak to them about these new products that are launching for Procter and Gamble and for Aussie. And I was like, okay, cool. And because I had this background studying business at NYU, I got really into like, okay, cool. Let me read about every product. Let me understand the ingredients. I'd love to talk to the chemist, which I did. And I really approached it as like, okay, I need to have all the information to share with somebody who is a journalist who's writing an article. And I really want to understand everything. So if I'm going to go in and speak on this, I'm going to go speak on it. So I filled in for one day. I think I might've been there possibly. <laughs> I think you, I think you might've been, it was the Aussie gel. <laughs> and I always remember you being so knowledgeable about everything, like any question you had an answer to, which is not always the case. So. Yeah. And I think that was my curiosity from the chemistry perspective. And I learned so much from that time of just like studying brands and launch product launches. So I did that event. And like, I think I just connected really well with the women that were working PR and the women that were writing articles. And I just was like, oh, this is so interesting to me because I can style something on the red carpet. And I really, truly my like Midwestern roots of like wanting to like tell my sister how to do the look and really help people. You know what I mean? Kind of that like relatable. I don't want you to feel like Reese Witherspoon's hairstyle is unrelatable. Like if I do something really cool, I'd love to show you. I think you could also look the same as somebody on the red carpet. So I was very inspired by that. After that one day, they were like, oh, we really like you. We'd love to have you on contract. It was like so soon that I was like, okay, cool. So I ended up working with Procter & Gamble for 10 years. And about four to five years into doing beauty editor events, explaining how did I do this red carpet look, I started to get asked a lot how to make a beachy wave. And I remember when the women that started Who, What, Where, they had a little house in LA and they had me come out and show them how to wrap your hair around a curling iron. It was one of the very first beauty tutorials they were going to make. It was on camera. This is when people are starting to make social content. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. You're going to wear a glove. You're going to hold your curling iron upside down. You're going to wrap it backwards. And I felt like I did that for a couple of years. Every time I came and I met with you and Heather and all these other editors. I was like, you can do it. I'm going to teach you how to curl your hair. You're going to hold it upside down. You're going to wrap it backwards. And then I remember it so clearly. I was like in my apartment and I was on the phone and there was no Zoom and there was no FaceTime. And there was, we were just talking on the phone. So an editor was interviewing me and she was saying, can you just go step-by-step on how to curl your hair? I literally was like, pick, and she was having a hard time grasping the visual because we didn't have a a camera on. I was like, you're going to pick it up. You're going to hold it upside down, like over your head. Then you're going to take your other hand and you're going to take the hair and then you're going to wrap it like backwards away from your face. And then the other side, you're going to go the other way. And she was like, oh my God, I feel like the article sounds bad. She was like, I'm literally telling people to hold a curling iron upside down, wrap it backwards. She was like, oh, just listen, I'm, I give up. And then I was like, yeah, I guess as a hairdresser, I'm standing above you. So me doing this movement is a little different than you doing this on yourself. So we laughed about it. I said, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if, if you could get that same wrap around the hair but you didn't have to hold it upside down. You could hold it upright. And I was like, I wonder how that would happen. And we just sort of like 
thought about it. And I was like, oh, it's so interesting because you need your fingers to wrap it at the end. I got off the phone with her, grabbed a piece of paper, and I sketched out the idea for the beach waver where it was a rotating curling iron and I called it the beach waver. And I have the drawing of it. And I literally was like, I think since I always say the left goes away, the right goes away, there has to be like a left and a right because it has to go the right direction. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, you physically can't wrap it like holding it this way, you physically, you'll get caught on your hands. So then I thought, well, in place of your finger, maybe there has to be a tiny clamp on the bottom that holds it, right? So the tiny clamp would hold it. And then I was like, how would it go away? And then I was like, I think it has to rotate. And then I thought of my professional rotating curling irons, like Marcel's, they don't rotate automatically. They have a long bar. If you've ever seen the professional one and you roll it around. Your hand and your wrist make this wild movement. Nobody at home could ever use that tool. It's really hard to learn in beauty school. So it kind of does that movement. So that was it. I literally sketched it. And then I happened to have dinner with my sister, who was a lawyer. And she was telling me how she felt like a secretary. She felt like people treated her terribly. And she was like the smartest person I knew. And I was telling her how much I love the beauty industry, how much I like love all these collaborations and how it's just a really inclusive, exciting space. I called her, told her about the idea. Two weeks later, she called me and said, I quit my job. Let's make this thing. And I was like, "Ah." wow. So then once you came up with the idea, which is like a lightning bolt, it sounds like that it kind of just came to you like that. I'm really something that never existed on the market before. So then how did you go from idea to actually getting it produced? We didn't know, like literally, right? I was like, I'm a hairdresser. Yes, I studied business, but, and Erin is a lawyer. So it was really an interesting approach where she was like, you know, we have to patent it. We have to get this, like, let's go, let's get this idea going. And I was like, okay, how do we make a prototype? How do we build this? You know? And so she was like, I went to school with, somebody who owns a design firm. And we were like, cool, let's go. So we had a meeting with this woman named Jill in Chicago. And we told her the idea, showed her the sketch. It was like, she was like, okay, cool. I'll put a proposal together. Let's have a meeting. She gave us this like 10 page proposal. And she was like, this is it. And then at the end of it, she was like, okay, but it's going to be like $75,000 to make one prototype. And we'll do all the sourcing. It'll probably take a year. And Aaron and I were like, what if it doesn't work? (laughs) Like, I don't know. You know, we like didn't have any money. We didn't have any funds to just throw that. So Erin said to her friend, her like, she said, do you think we could take your 10 page proposal and try to do it ourselves? (laughs) Like, what if we tried to source it and we tried to make it? And she was really great. She was like, yes, you know what? You guys take it. I totally get it. I know it's expensive. Why don't you guys take it? She's like, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take you a lot of time. You're going to have to try to really source things yourself. And we did. We literally went to Craigslist and tried to find like electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, like 3D printers. So we actually ended up making two prototypes for about $5,000. And we employed some people off Craigslist. That was really interesting. So we ended up finding one of the people that we connected with who was really smart, really creative, and, you know, really walked us through the process of like, let's go to a 3D printer. Let's make the parts. Let's get a motor. Let's put a heater in it. So we really built this like workable rotating curling iron that looks, it didn't have the left and right yet, even though that was my original sketch. 
we basically were like, okay, as long as it could rotate with the clamp with my design, let's just see if it curls the hair. Let's just see if it works, right? We got that prototype. And at the same time, I was working with Rachel Zoe, who was a clothing stylist and had a huge reality TV show at the time. And I happened to be at her QVC launch in New York, styling her hair. There was a guy there, Jamie from QVC, and Rachel wasn't happy with the models they had selected. She asked me and her assistant to be like the model for this e-segment for QVC. I was interacting a lot with this guy from QVC. And in my brain at the time, I was like, what if I just ask him? What if I just tell him, hey, I have an idea for a curling iron. Like, what do you think? Um, So I did. And he immediately was like, oh, cool. Well, we're like at the event tonight, there's going to be all these people there that are buyers and this. And I was like, okay, cool. So he introduced me to them and we got a pitch meeting with the buyers from QVC and we had our one prototype. And then my friend, Michael, who is the producer and editor of the series called The Real Housewives, (laughs) he was my friend from college. He came and he's like, you need a video. So people at the meeting know who you are and what you do. So he came backstage New York Fashion Week. He filmed me. He had me like showing why I created it. So I played the video. I demoed the product at the QVC pitch meeting and they immediately were like, oh, great. We'll order a thousand. (laughs) But we had two. Oh my gosh. That was it. And we were like, oh, wow. Next step is like, how do you manufacture product? Your story is so much of like fortuitous timing and being in the right place and just taking advantage of the opportunities in front of you. Like how incredible. So what did you do? How did you make more? (laughs) So it was pretty wild because I was pregnant with my son at the time and Aaron and I were like, okay, how do you manufacture? What do you do? And I told her, well, my favorite flat irons and my favorite curling irons say made in Korea. (laughs) So Aaron was like, great, I'll fly there. I'll just go. And I was like, okay. She's like, I'm going to find someone to make this. Yeah. She met a family. They were like, we know what you, your sister does. We understand. They had made something really cool for like a celebrity hairdresser on the Hyundai Home Shopping Network in South Korea. So it was super cool. So she just sort of was like, okay, cool. Well, we want to own everything. We want to buy this deal for the molds. We want to figure out how to manufacture. We sort of really had a great strong partnership to like build the next version for how do we do this? How do we make it so we can create it for production. And they all end up being hand assembled, really incredible. Then the next step of getting them approved for QVC was crazy too, because as a hairdresser, I wanted an extra long barrel. So I wanted a six and a half inch barrel with an internal custom heater that went the entire length. When we got to the point of like, I was ready to launch January 21st of 2012 on QVC. It was December And I remember this very clearly. We got a phone call that ETL, the underwriter's laboratory was like, oh, we didn't approve your product. And I was like, why? And they were like, oh, there's like a really long heater in this curling iron. And I was like, yes, because women have long hair and this is beachy waves and it's a new trend. And they were like, oh, well, every single curling iron on the market uses the same standard four inch part, every curling iron even if the rod is longer. Wow. So you really did something totally unheard of. Yeah. And I didn't even know I was doing it. I was just looking at it from the hairdresser's perspective. Obviously you need the heat to be even from the bottom to the top, especially if you're, you know, creating this beachy wave and it's vertical. It was another wild moment because Aaron literally was like, um, let's find who works in that testing 
company. Let's just find them. And we actually ended up finding a young guy on Facebook who was like, and we found his band page and we saw that he worked there. And we got in touch with him on Facebook. And the guy was like, yeah, I do work at this place. And let me see what I can do for you. And he was amazing. He literally like saw the spirit and the passion and like a craziness. You were willing to do whatever it took. (laughs) Yeah. And he went into the lab and built a machine to test it. He had to build like another longer tester that he could put the heater in because it just didn't fit. And he got it approved and we made our date. (laughs) Wow. Unbelievable. So then you were ready to go. So you launched on QVC and how did it go? It was really exciting and really wild. And they told us like, you know, you, you'll probably get, you know, maybe four to five airings in your first year. It's really hard. We'll see how it goes. I had to go through the training. And then in the first show, you know, was wild. Do you, do you know that I had, um, instead of QVC models, I brought beauty editors and my college roommate. Oh, I didn't know that. Amber Katz. She was one of my models. Um, and we had another model who was a writer and editor. And then we had uh, my college roommate who I studied abroad with, who always wanted to be on TV. Because <laughs> I was like, well, who do I get to model my product? And I was like, well, that's a good idea. Because I had the editors were part of my story. And I was like, they love the product. That would be cool if they came on camera. So it was just a wild show, but they told us four to five and we ended up being on 50 times our first year. Wow. That is unbelievable. Like who would have thought? And it just goes to show you, you were filling a need in the market for something that didn't exist before. I can say that as somebody who could never curl their own hair with a regular curling iron. But once I had the beach raver, I was like, yes, now I could do my hair in like three minutes, my whole hair, like as if I was at the salon. So I really feel like it changed like hairstyling industry and it came like from such an organic place from somebody who works with hair, sees what women want to do and what they have, where the challenges are and came up with a solution and like an invention, which is so cool. Just incredible. So obviously fast forward 10 years and you know, the company has grown so much. Like tell us a little bit about where you guys are now and what you're thinking about for the future. Obviously there's more products beyond the beach weaver, even though that's star centerpiece. So tell us a little about that. We're going to be celebrating our 12th year on the market, January 21st. So it's been 12 years since that launch date. I would say the company, the brand, the mission has been driven by the customers and the fans of the brand from professional hairdressers to women who could never curl their hair to editors, to celebrities, because it truly is just a product that was like designed and created to solve the problem of it's difficult to curl your own hair. What's been really, really interesting is like our very, very first customer, she sent us an email and she was like, I never, ever write to brands. And I just have to write to you because I'm a kindergarten teacher in New Jersey and I could never curl my hair. I bought your product and my hair looks phenomenal. I can curl my hair. And it always makes me super emotional. But then she said, "Um, because I was born with one arm. And we were like, oh, Great. This is amazing. And her name is Christina. And we were like, come in, come meet us. Like, this is so cool. And Christina, fast forward, right? 
is one of our ambassadors. She's amazing. She's our first customer and a fan of the brand and, you know, continues to make content with new products. And, you know, your story, I feel like has always inspired me too, because every time I see you, I'm like so grateful and excited. I, you know, I've used the beach waiver I know. And every it, day. It just makes me so happy because that is why I made it after talking to so many journalists, so many people saying like, oh, you know, a lot of women struggle with curling their hair. And as a hairdresser, how could you help them? Those stories over the years have kept us super motivated and just like we just love hearing the stories and I think that it has been like a word of mouth thing where a friend will tell a friend or tell your daughter or tell your mom and the stories that really come back about feeling like empowered and feeling beautiful and confident because it's a struggle to do your hair has been really amazing so over the course of the last couple of years we've done some really phenomenal events like we did the hair for the Victoria's Secret fashion show in New York and Paris which is a big fashion moment for us and then we were able to do the World Surf League. We were able to sponsor the women when they offered equal pay to the women. So that was really cool to do the Beach Waver Maui Pro. Now, currently I'm in Miami doing Art Basel and creating hair sculptures. So I'm kind of going back to my roots of like creating fashion and art with hair. That's been really exciting. But the brand has um, really evolved into the styling space and hair products. And I'm so incredibly proud of the products. So we work with female chemists. And my love for the products that I, I really discovered through working with Procter & Gamble years ago and loved working with chemists has been a really great journey. And that's kind of the future for us. And just even in the last like six months, you know, I've had this really wild TikTok show that I do where I'm like packing orders and the amount of customers that have like fallen in love with our hair care has been so exciting to me because that we've put four to five years into like product development. They're a vegan, they're sulfate-free, paraben-free, benzophenone-free. That's an ingredient that a lot of brands use in UV protection, but it's also found in nursing moms or breast cancer cells. So we've been able to remove those ingredients and just like slowly build a really incredible line of styling products. Like even our Great Barrier, our heat protectant hairspray has become the number one selling hairspray for us. And it's sold out like multiple times. And so for us to be able to help the whole routine of hairstyling for our customers has been really exciting. And then I noticed so much being on photo shoots and with celebrities that when I spray a product or I used a product that either smelled phenomenal, they felt like, oh, that reminds me of something, or I love it, or I wish it was a perfume. I would wear that hairspray. Or I would get an overwhelming response of like, oh, can you not spray that I'm performing? Or can like, I don't like the way that smells on set. So I got such a strong reaction to like an aroma experience for people that we actually developed a line of fragrances locally in Illinois with a women-owned fragrance house. And we developed those first. We send them to our female chemists. We work with the chemists on putting in the right level of an aroma experience. And we even have a couple of products that are fragrance-free. We have a charcoal bar. We have a five essential oils for the hair. So we've really tried to like tap into what our customer would love. And when they hear the story and when they learn about those products, they get really excited about the entire journey of styling. And I think hair can be kind of a mystery for a lot of people, you know, and I think if you're a hairdresser, you know, and you can educate your client, but I think a lot of women all over, you know, would love to learn more and know more. And everyone's texture is different. Everyone's hair feels different, reacts differently. So it's really about education. So I feel like the future for us and even the past couple of years has been about education. So I do an education show also 
on our website on beachraver.com and then also on TikTok at The Beach Raver. And then I also have a page, my Sarah Potempa hair account on TikTok, where I do just education. I do braids and I voice them over really slowly and I teach complicated braids, super difficult, like the Dutch fishtail I showed Bob. I have videos on that. And I slowly educate people on how to do that hairstyling. So that's what I'm really proud of and super excited about is like really educating everybody about their own journey of hair, about products, and about how they can like have beautiful hair and feel really confident in their styling tools and their products. I love that. How amazing. I mean, as somebody who I feel like you transformed my hair life with the beach driver, <laughs> you gave, have given me and so many people countless good hair days. It's just so amazing to see how your business has grown and you still, you know, it's still owned by you and your sisters and how amazing is that in this industry? It's very rare. So thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your incredible journey with us. We really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. Check back soon for another great guest. I'm April Franzino and this is Beauty Is Your Business. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.